0: This is One Heat Minute.
1: Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven here. Robbery, homicides, take it. Give me all you got! This is... In- Give me all you
0: got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. i trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. And joining me for the 72nd, holy shamolish 72nd minute of Michael Mann's 1995 crime opus is The Machine. He's more machine now than Man Twisted and Evil. Behind filmink.com.au in Australia. It is Mr. Travis Johnson. Welcome back, sir. You
1: say the nicest things. <laughs> it, is, it is great to be back.
0: And look, I've I, I, as we do, we check out the minutes. I've you know we talked about this minute, and just now, but just before the mics turned on, we watch this minute again and oh, it is a
1: cracker. It is great.
0: And uh, the tension and the sound design the and
1: precision and the, the imagery, and ah, it's just, it's got the lot. I really enjoy uh, getting into the micro of this film. It, this is such a great experience.
0: It is. Thank you so much for coming back. And so, guys, we're going to watch this 72nd minute. If you're watching on the classic theatrical cut, um, it is exactly one hour and 11 minutes in. And. If you're watching on the 4K edition, you're probably a few seconds in and around. Mm. There's some weird reason that it's not exactly precise, but um, you guys will sort of hear it from what we're going to listen. So Trav and I are going to watch this again together. Then we're going to come back and talk about it to you. Uh, So have a listen.
1: Um, So a lot of this minute... Keep that nice (coughs) and close. Keep that nice and close, okay. So a lot of this minute is just the classic man obsession with watching professionals work, watching (laughs) guys at the top (laughs) of their game just do their thing. Because we get, you know... uh, We spend a lot of time watching Chris Scheherlis drilling the vault, uh, which any other filmmaker wouldn't pay that much attention to. But man is all about... Watching guys who are really good at their jobs doing their jobs, no matter, and it always doesn't matter what that job is. Doesn't matter. He has an obsession with crime and law enforcement. We know that, but you also see that in um, uh, Last of the Mohicans, okay? Because that's all about watching a professional do what he does. <laughs> yeah. But he's a professional tracker and outdoorsman. So. But what's really interesting here is the interaction, even though. De Niro never sees Pacino but it's the interaction between Macaulay and Hannah when Hannah sees Macaulay on the infrared camera which is amazing now at this point um, Hannah is standing deep in shadow sorry Macaulay standing deep in shadow but Hannah can see him Macaulay doesn't know that he's being watched and that's basically a metaphor for the 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 cop and criminal relationship and the
0: metaphor for the entire cat and mouse criminal genre yeah
1: so it's like no you think you're hidden i see you you yes no matter what you do i can track your spore you know uh it's like when diane benora says you know you're looking for the 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 sense of your prey um in another scene so we get that yes um, you know and that speaks to hannah's professionalism what he does so I, i find that really remarkable
0: it's it's also, you know, to go back to what you said, professionals being so good, it's another one of these amazing scenes where to establish the the oral soundscape of this entire scene, you've got Neil walks in. Neil's the first man through the door. He's got a Beretta and a torch and looks down the hallway. There's a dripping fire, um, fire hydrant alarm. Sprinkler. Sprinkler, sprinkler. sorry. Yeah. Fire sp- sprinkler. And it... It's just dripping and we hear the drip and we see the drips on the floor and it's like, okay, that's the only sound that I need to be wary of. Mm. And they sort of lead, he leads Chris down sort of like a supervisor in this scene. And it's just so great because he's there and it's, it, this is the first time I've actually seen him. He peeks his head through the whole time he's been concealed in the van. So, And really he's been concealed from the cops because they haven't seen his face yet. Mm. We now watch him come out of the door. The cops actually make him and he looks around, he's casing the street again, he's looking, he's looking, we're really getting the geography of where we're seeing him from as the audience and where they're seeing him, and he darts into this little crevasse little there. Little alcove kind uh, of thing. And just now, 38 seconds in, and and in the most Michael Mann way ever, it's not red... Um, infrared it's, it's blue it's blue infrared, infrared, infrared. we are in michael Mann country <laughs> and we do not have anything that is red or green it's not the predator look here it is just this stunning
1: cold blue kind of digital recreation of of uh, macaulay's face on a monitor and we're looking over pacino's left shoulder as pacino ha- as hannah yeah like Sees Macaulay for the first time, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the, uh, is
0: so they've they've caught a glimpse of him, but in the last time they checked him out, it was from their perch above the restaurant where Neil and his team were. That's right. He comes out and he's you know Hannah as he does you know does says a great line is like oh this is, what is it some kind of convention but at that stage they hadn't made a beat on him. Yeah. They do not know who this guy is. They know nothing about him. But but Hannah knows that he's important. So in this scene. Here, like Neil McCauley's the most important guy in this crew because they've clearly now they haven't he hasn't had to articulate yet that he knows who Neil is, but he knows now because yeah. Michael and Chris are relative small timers and and obviously trey is like a first timer, but Neil is the guy, the guy, the, the architect, man, yes. the architect here, and so it's so great. There's such there's this you know we're we're thir- about thirty eight seconds into this minute, but even in just the. Pre- we we don't even yet um, get a front-on shot. I don't think. I'm just gonna play it back. Oh yes, we get a first about 19 seconds in the delightful, the, the delightfully expressive face of Wes Studi as Casal sitting next to him. Got these. I
1: love Wes Studi oh as an God. actor so much, and I, I want to say just quickly, like this is a remarkable film in that it's cast a, a Native American actor like an Indigenous American actor in a role which is not specifically Indigenous, which is so goddamn rare. And it's
0: 1995. Like, it's 2018. He's got... Michael T. Williamson mm. as Drucker, a big African-American cop in, you know, heightened crazy LA is like a lead detective. is pretty much his number two guy. Like mm. these, he alternates like three number two guys. Poor, um, Jerry Schwartz is, as, uh, uh, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Jerry Trimble is Schwartz in the back. Um, is, is sort of the, the loner outsider, just that like, He's Plus, just there. He's just there, there, not doing too much. But Bosco in Ted Levine, who's sort yeah. of out of focus, but man, he's got that great walrus moustache. Got such expressive features, strong brow, and he's like let he's letting that man baldness go out. You've got Wes Judy here, whose face, I mean, from villain characters, Calm out of stone. Levine. Yeah, he's it, incredible. It just he just has an intensity in his eyes and he, in the structure of his face that you're just like, my god, you're do, unbelievable. Do
1: you know much about him about his background? No, I don't. Um, I read his Wikipedia biography years ago, and then when I reread it once, it, a lot of it had been redacted. So I'm going by memory here, and some of this uh, might be inaccurate, and if it is, I apologize. <laughs> but Vietnam veteran, Wow I uh, think it was 101st Airborne, gets back from Nam. gets involved in the American Indian Movement, so in the um, uh, Native American Rights Movement. Yes. I'm pretty sure he was at the siege at Wounded Knee. Uh, he's a serious dude. Um, that is my understanding. Now, I haven't been able to find any further info on that since his his Wikipedia page got edited. <laughs> but I remember reading this and just going, oh my God, this guy's <laughs> been around the block. And you get a lot of uh, Native American actors who come from the activist background. Uh, Russell Means. Russell Means is a big one, who's also in uh, uh, Last of the Mohicans. Mohicans. Yep. Yeah, who died last year. Yeah, I not to too say? long ago, yeah. Real shame. Uh, but yeah, I've got a lot of time for Wiz duty and people forget he's also a, a gifted comedian because if you've ever seen Mystery Men Yes. where he turns up as the oh. Sphinx and
0: he's so go-
1: Oh my God, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good and uh, of course he was in Avatar.
0: Avatar as well. Yeah, yeah he's um, in Avatar and and. You know, the, the, his big run in uh, in the 90s was, you know, in the best picture of Dances with Wolves, he runs straight into last of the Mohicans and then does this. Yeah.
1: And Geronimo's around that time as well, that uh, which was by, what's his name? Did the Warriors. Uh, why am I blanking? This is embarrassing. We, can, we cannot we all that. That's cheating. Walter Hill. Walter <laughs> Hill. So he played Geronimo for Walter Hill in an underrated Western classic. I just wanted to go on a sidebar and gush about Wes Studi because I think he's awesome.
0: And in any minute that we can, I will allow any kind of uh, gushing about Wes Studi because he's just incredible. But you've got this great scene and there's, and Vincent here, there's something like satisfying, satisfied mm. about his face. He's curious. Yeah. He's very open in this scene, just looking. He's fully engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And its I imagine it's like, uh, you might have it. I know my wife teases me about the faces I pull if I'm really engaged in something. Like, I'm just so engaged. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, hey. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, sorry. Because you
1: lose all self-awareness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're so in the moment and, and engaging with the work or the art or the, the, the project or the object. Yeah. That, you know, you, you're no longer wearing a mask and you are just boom, you're right in there. Yeah, I've recently... Which can be embarrassing.
0: Recently at the Sydney Film Festival, Garth was teasing me he saw an amazing film by Bart Layton called American Animals and I was Mm. riding every tense moment of this really engaging film and he was like, I've never seen you lean, you nearly fell off your chair, you were leaning so far forward in your seat and I was like, it was a freaking exciting movie, man. I was all about it.
1: That's a great film. But I I was... Conversely, I was... uh, when I saw already Player One with Anthony O'Connor, he was yeah. next to me, and he was like, "I, I could hear your teeth grinding through the entire film." <laughs> so there, there, there's a, there's another end to that. There is another. there's are there, a, a spectrum.
0: In the words of Heat, that's a flip side to that coin, <laughs> which uh, which which is grinding teeth or, or sighing repeatedly yeah. or shaking one's head, mm. like settling the shoulders. Oh.
1: oh God.
0: Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> which we don't do in Heat because it's an incredible film. No, you never do it in the heat but it's he is he is enthralled right now he's like
1: he's so waiting to see what happens out that door he's completely open to it that cut between the door opening on the monitor and our sort of third person uh, angle on Macaulay coming out of the door that, that's just a really good cut <laughs> it's just on a technical level I really there, like that edit there's <coughs>
0: excuse me this scene um, for the muted activity mm. has amazing cuts like as in just to demonstrate proficiency of you know um Michael Cerrito on the on the pole Tom Sizemore mm. Kilmer breaking the lock with the bolt like that he punches through everything here is so beautifully and the movement and between the different geography of the different uh, parts of the scene is so uh, well, on
1: point as a director man loves to show you things that other people would cut away from okay yeah. because like narratively almost nothing that happens in this scene apart from well this minute apart from Hannah seeing Macaulay on the monitor yes none of it's important to the action of the film the narrative drive like what it's doing in terms of story it's incredibly important in terms of articulating man's voice as a director because as I said it goes to his concerns about showing you the work and how difficult this is like these guys aren't thugs the criminals that we're watching they are I mean they're violent they're capable of murder we've seen that but they are professionals and he really goes out of his way to get that across and the way you do that is by showing the minutiae of the operation
0: and also the the minutiae conversely for the cops of the Mm. operation is that everything is staged the the snare is set if you like and they have to and it's literally a mental game of Will you break and screw up this track? It's
1: chicken, isn't it? It is is chicken. chicken. And
0: what a better way to say that this chicken is that literally it's like, it's chicken that at the moment, for this split second, Neil McCauley doesn't know that he's playing.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Because, oh man, I wish I was in, is it the next minute? The next, the next, the very next minute. Holy crap.
0: Holy crap. Indeed. So we go here. And I'm just going to unmute the telly. I don't usually do this while recording, but if it bleeds in, I'm sorry. But just to hear this line. The line from Casals as Wes Studi's character. There he is. Like, he's in charge of the infrared camera in this setup, and I just adore that line. There
1: he
0: is. Really whisper. They are in the moment right now. There's no mucking around.
1: Oh, Here we funny. are. I want to go back to the, the dripping uh, sprinkler for a second. I don't mean rewind. I mean I just want to talk about it. It's uh, a lot of water imagery in this film, and that. Uh, yeah. This is part of, and even you know the the final song we hear, which is uh, God, God who, moving over uh, the face, face of the waters. Voice. Okay, what does that mean to you? Why why is this? Why, why is there this obsession with water?
0: I think with man, and this is something that I've sort of articulated more in an intellectual capacity with a thesis that I did, but I think man's obsessed with the sublime. And what sublime philosophically means is like, it uh, usually relates to things in nature. They talk about a volcano being sublime Thank and you. about like sublimely beautiful, which means that it has such a lure to you, but it will kill you instantly. Mm. And I think in a lot of man's work, water, especially staring out to the ocean, it's so vast, it's so... Um, intimidating, it's so beautiful, but it will kill you. Mm. And I think that, that 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 the way that Man manifests that for me is like these guys are on a line. You know, we see Wayne Grow as a character in the film who kind of operates outside of morality. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the great exception to this rule. Like there seems to be, and even Van Sant to an extent with like white collar lack of morality on another side. But I think that these guys, to be where they are in the pocket of like, uber professionals on either side of their line. They are just deftly on this line that can land them into legitimacy or land them onto the opposite side that they want to be in. Mm. And so I think it's the, it's like treading that line. And I think Pacino has got that, especially with that manic energy as Vincent Hanna, there's a line that he... Totally could cross, but never wants to.
1: Well, the film punishes people who cross the line. The film punishes people who don't respect the sublime, like yes. Wayne Grove, like Victor's yeah. character, yeah. and ultimately Macaulay. Macaulay. Ultimately, Macaulay gets punished because he steps outside of his relationship with the Malu in which he inhabits. Yes. <coughs> in which he inhabits? That's a terrible sentence. Which he <laughs> inhabits. Um... Self-editing, self-editing. Uh, so yeah, I guess that that's a that's a really interesting thematic take. I like that. Yeah, that's,
0: cool. I, 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 that's what I'm finding in some of his other works, and I think what it's it's really funny when you like in heat, it's there now. It's and it's it, it, it's sort of it's almost like heat was a. Hypothesis, um, and what sort of helps to validate it is something like Mamie Weiss, because then you've got the true dichotomy between like a, a Ricardo Tubbs played by Jamie Foxx, and then a Sonny, mm. um, a, a Sonny Crockett played by uh, a Colin Farrell, is that, you know, they're it, particularly they're in an apartment, they're about to get set up with this, you know, international drug ring, um, and it's this perfect time of ever to shoot Miami. It was around the time that there was a hurricane Mm. and the storm is out there on the water. And instead of this beautiful picturesque, you know, Flamingo Miami vice that was seen in the past, it's turbulent Miami. And so Colin Farrell's looking out to this ocean that's nothing but turbulence and and he's being lured out in that moment. He's being lured out to the ocean. He's, and for a split second, the camera lures out, and then he snaps back to the conversation. And so I feel like there's these moments. And then even when he goes out with you know Isabella Gong Li's character to Cuba, you see him streaming in a go fast boat on yeah. this boundless ocean. So it's like it's like him actually taking the plunge into the sublime, even though it's probably going to lead him or her or both of them to death. Um, So I think that that's where I like find those thematic connections. And I see it particularly with Neil, like Neil is Neil knows there's a line and, Mm -hmm. and, and his discipline is keeping him just on that edge with that glass in between. But as you said, Trav, he makes the leap. Um, in this movie. You, and should,
1: uh, you should come scuba diving one day. <laughs> that'll, that'll teach you about the sublime. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> like, it's really good. Personal anecdote. Um, and talking about the water imagery and the, the, this idea of the sublime, which I am going to be reading up on tonight. <laughs> I'm doing a deep dive. But uh, early in my scuba diving career, I went on a pre-dawn dive. Um, wow. So it's, it's dark. And this is in Fremantle WA, which can be a bit sharky. And uh, so diving when the sun isn't up is a bit I would um, say, it's terrifying, but yeah, yeah fraud because isn't you can't see. Like you can, you've got a torch, you can see stuff. But um, my instructor took me on this dive. There's about half a dozen of us. and I got to see the sunrise from underwater.
0: Oh my god! So you
1: just see the the sunlight start lancing down from about we oh, about eight meters down, um, and that was that's as close to a religious experience as I've ever had. So Michael Mann do a scuba diving movie, <laughs> and and I want. You know, instead of having your your isolated uh, existential professional hero staring out over the ocean, have him staring up through, through the, the ocean. ocean as the sun rises. Do that for me. That'd They're, be great. You now,
0: if Michael Mann ever heard that. That would mean he's listening to this podcast, yeah. which would make my heart skip a beat.
1: It's not impossible. You got to mention on uh, Birth Movies Death this week.
0: I did. That was pretty cool. It was very cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. So thank you, Cam Williams, who has actually been a guest on the show, mentioned and talked about this show. So thank you for that. But I was very, I, I was pretty flummoxed and uh, and almost did a backflip out of my uh, commuting to work yeah. train seat <laughs> as I
1: was reading that. So that was very cool. I got a, a very, very uh, strong sort of thrill of, of, of joy and recognition. <laughs> it's, oh, great.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, this show um, is full of uh, 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 male and female Crazy professionals who wish they were existential heroes. <laughs> but we in, in Michael Mann movies. <laughs> uh, and instead, we sit here and we do this. But, but I, I think yeah, the, the water, the water motif in this particular scene, like I think, mm. is super strong in the amazing silhouette scene where he, uh, Michael Mann re, uh, recreates an Alex Colville painting. Yes, uh, that is as strong as it gets because especially that. Beautiful um, side profile look of his face as he's looking out to the ocean. The water scene in here is just, it, it's really evident in like, um, I'm trying to think of some great ones. Is uh, Robert Rodriguez's Sin City does it great when they're uh, planning, you know, we need this. And yeah. Marv's talking about all the guns and stuff that he's going to use or whatever. And he's like, and my mitts. And my mitts. And like, and you see little flashes to stuff. Edgar Wright loves like little jumpy cuts of mm. like, Cueing a sound and then showing something else instead or um, you know hot fuzz does it the best as equipment is being compiled. The uh,
1: the car doors slamming. Car door yeah, and the useless sound. But what's interesting here is uh, Macaulay recognises that the, the sound aborder is a potential danger which feeds into your theory about the sublime, the idea that it can destroy you. So as, as a symbolic definitely symbol. Symbolic symbol. Another great <laughs> sentence today from the <laughs> trap. Um, it works really well. Oh. You know? And it's really subtle. It's you know like you could not notice that having watched the film a hundred times
0: and and also that just even being aware of danger as a sound and water and just anything it's like it's going what is danger in this situation Mm, in in this this context in in this context of where we are and right now that drip is the only inorganic or sorry organic but also inorganic because Mm. it's coming out of something artificial sound that I need to Understand, yeah. in this environment, I need to get a
1: beat on that and figure out what it, where is. it is.
0: Okay, I know where it is. That's a potential danger. Fine. He walks outside in dead silence and beautiful. Elliot Goldenthal's score yep. is just ringing and ratcheting up each micro, you know, pulse and, of and tension. Then we're,
1: we're suddenly seeing it from the actual source of danger that he is completely unaware of. Yes, it's beautiful. And it is just, you know, um, when when I
0: when I'm compiling this list and I'm revisiting this, you know, I I call it, I call it like um, my sort of flux of 20 or so minutes, a roving Mm. 20 minutes of this movie that I'm watching to prepare. Um, When I saw this scene, which leads into the amazing reveal in the next scene, um, it's just, it's like a, it's one of those moments where it's a tragedy that I can't blow it out into greater than the minute, but in the words of Macaulay, that's, the discipline we're right here in this minute but it's just so beautiful you get to see his face and this is literally they are pretty much staring at each other face to face on almost the same eye line if you like face to face across the street and they do not know or one of them doesn't know that they're playing a game of chicken
1: and they're there what i one thing i really like about heat narratively is it really does stick to its own defined rules like it it doesn't do anything like there's not a traitor in the ranks it doesn't try and cheat you it doesn't try and do a sudden reveal it doesn't no. try and do a big twist you know it, 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 it's spoiler free like if you could tell some oh and at the end fucking hannah kills macaulay and that hasn't ruined the film at all no you and, like and
0: it, there's a modern movie like so let's talk about like a heist movie that came out recently that's causing some co- controversy it's like oceans 8 hmm. um comparing oceans 11 to oceans um oceans and, and oceans 8 for a second and heat I love that Heat does that because the rules of these crews, like Hannah, doesn't have a crew that's feeding information to McCauley that's causing some bullshit drama, mm. like unnecessary drama. Nor does his crew, you know, whatever. There's people trying to cut in yeah. to the crews it from channels that they see weaknesses in, but it's not, it's it's not. Uh, it doesn't feel contrived. It doesn't feel like it's trying to hyper, you know, uh, hyperemphasize that like, drama.
1: There's a version of this story where, say, um, Chris Schoharles gets flipped because he's in debt. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, we that's, are, yeah, like. And that's in, I, I mean, we could yeah. do some IMDBing right now and
0: find that story <laughs> yeah. many uh, times.
1: Yeah, and I'm really happy that the film doesn't do that. I no. think that would be a, a real disservice. And I think that you look at something like Ocean's Eleven and
0: the great. Thing about Ocean's Eleven is that you've got the awesome um, Terry Benedict character um, uh, played by oh my god I've just got Andy, Andy Garcia, the amazing Andy Garcia.
1: I was just watching Hoodlum yesterday. Oh, and he plays Lucky Luciano in that. He's
0: so Jeez. fantastic. He's such a fantastic character, and he's a great villain because he's an obsessive. He's one. He's almost like a manny professional. He's like mm. hyper. Everything is is to a T. Um, and then you flip it to Ocean's Eight, and the difference is is that. There's no real villain at the Met. Guy. No, and, no. And, but what I like and deeply respect is that people go, oh, there wasn't a lot of stakes, or there wasn't. And I'm like, no, because the Met was totally unawares, they yeah. were playing a different game. For sure. They for were playing sure. a completely different game. There wasn't there wasn't something so I like when movies ad, 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 inhabit their own rules. They're not going to fight. like if they've been planning it for five years and they don't really have an adversary yeah. of the culture, cal- then they're going to walk through yeah. and it should be the walkthrough thing.
1: In a weird way in Ocean's 8 the enemy is the culture and what the Met represents is yes. kind of really <laughs> performative femininity this <laughs> idea of you know woman as, as clothes horse and model and, and public performance and, and that's pu- what they're fighting against.
0: And, and, and they're fighting against all of those archetypes that each of those People have fallen into. They're fighting against all of their destinies. Yeah. I, 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 I'm prescribed to go get a real corporate job if I'm a, a young Japanese woman who's a skater. Yeah. I'm prescribed to get married if I'm an Indian woman who's a jeweler. I'm prescribed as an actress to just shut up and wear the clothes and the jewelry and do this. If I'm an aging f- fashion icon, I have to keep up to keep up the pace, otherwise yep. I'm out. You know, there's all those. I, I think that's a great take. But movies, when they have their established rules and then follow them, even though, and also. Like, once you build the right rules. Yes. It's a really great. Because you're like, oh, shit, this train, these trains are going to collide. There's mm. something that's going to happen.
1: And that's how suspense works in a weird way. Because it's not, you know, the obvious suspense is, you know, Hitchcock said you show a bomb under the table. You yes. Know? And you're aware of it, the audience isn't. But also, if you establish the rules of your narrative and then. When you disrupt those rules, the audience can sense, like they, un- uh, you know, a, 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 a canny audience will understand that. Yes. And they will get set up like something's gone wrong. And if you pay that off correctly, that's when it works. And if you've just broken the rules because you couldn't figure out a way to write your way out of a situation, well, you've, you've screwed up. And yes. that's bad writing. But good writing is you establish the rules and you break them in order to set up a payoff, not to get yourself out of a corner.
0: No. And the great rule that gets broken later for us is that these lads have, you know, with the tom seismores hold it we've left the loose end mm. and they dump you know what we're seeing here in the middle of a um a, a, a heist a sting got you know a, a sting for a heist going wrong and later on Wayne Grow is the fact that Wayne Grow's out there and leaving the loose end with van sant means yeah. that there's a, a way to cut in and the cut in comes in a stupid anonymous call on the middle of a day um after they've already been dumped and they're, yeah. they're, they've got no they haven't got a leg to stand on they don't know where these guys are
1: mm. but because the rules have been established it works it's not yes. just and then suddenly you know, it's, no. not, it's not deus ex, ex machina. <laughs> no. it is well and truly established um, in the narrative how this world has been set up for us so it, it works a treat
0: and back to professionals here at the 44th second I love that just the sound design of this oh, screaming God. drill going through glass and metal and
1: Oh. And what's great is it plays with your expectations because you're thinking, burglary, sneaky, we've got to, you know, <laughs> know, tiptoe in. And these guys are just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're in the dead of night. Yeah. We're, we're, we're set up. We've killed the
0: alarms. We yeah. know that we're allowed to, you know, moderately go in heavy. And I, you know, the line that comes back to me a couple of times is go to re- any recent Highline burglaries that have mystified us uh, yeah. in the original sort of investigation. But it's such a. It's. um it's also him manipulating us so beautifully here is because it goes from this goddamn wonderful tension being drawn out by, uh, Elliot Goldenfall and this, you know, infrared face off playing chicken when someone else doesn't know they're playing chicken with you. And then I actually think that might be a good sidewalk game to play in Sydney. Um, just for friends, play chicken with people who don't know they're playing chicken with you. Uh, that could hopefully be uh, something we could do after the podcast, but, here it goes bang to this really grating sound, and mm. you're like, "Holy shit!" Okay, no, it's just it's yeah. it's just a drill. Yeah, it's and 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 this is a very thief moment, you know. Um, oh,
1: is it ever? It, yeah. yeah, like you know, uh,
0: down to this. Th- quickly cuts back to our third person shot um, of uh, De Niro there in his little crevice, and it's a little bit more defined. Yet, get sweat beating off of uh, Christian Hillis's face. Um, he's wearing the C3 glasses, and you know, this mm. is lumbering on with a big, heavy piece of machinery. This is Thief 101.
1: Man, this is also Val Kilmer at his finest. Oh. This is like peak Kilmer before yeah. he went off the rails and then kind of came back yeah. and then cancer. and then uh,
0: Yes. Uh, All those things. Poor guy. He, and poor guy for his later life, but yeah.
1: um, but he's
0: such a fine actor. Mm. Such a good actor. Done some amazing roles. And like, I mean, if you can have in your same career Jim Morrison, Christian Hales, Batman... And then Gay Perry, I think mm. you've got a
1: and Doc Holliday and
0: Doc Holliday. Oh my gosh! I'm your Huckleberry. What a <laughs> great, what a great era. Yeah, that was you know this peak is val peak val, loving it. And so he's here, and he's just you watching this. You know you're watching this water bead off of this thing. It's all very technical. Multiple drill points. They've clearly got it all staged out. And he's just taking his time to get there. And then the final frame the camera starts to squeeze in on Vincent, being totally open to this scene. Mm. We're going to snatch these guys. The minute that Chris Chahilis walks back out that door with anything, these guys have popped. And then... Next minute. The next minute. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get into the next minute. Oh, man.
1: Oh, what a film. It, It never, never fails to fascinate me.
0: No, it doesn't for me either, mate. And to be honest, the more times that I am now diving into new minutes and and I, and I hope that you guys are having the same listening experience because I certainly do when i 'm doing it is the more that I go back and talk to different people with different perspectives about the film, I feel like i 'm enriched um, with it and the more I just am you know I, I could probably count on my hands the number of films that can could stand up mm. to this kind of scrutiny and I think if you if you call out some of those um, you know a couple of uh, cu- a couple of films might come to your head that you think can stand up to this they are true masterpieces that can stand up to not a wasted minute sometimes not a wasted second sometimes not a wasted microsecond of a cut of a frame of a freeze frame of a performance it's just and and for all the action in this movie this is one of the stillest minutes yes. especially <laughs> in performance terms because Pacino is as open as as you like, and De Niro is as relaxed and open and calm and receptive to the outside world, and it's just so tremendous that they're so rich and there's so much going on in this story. And listen, it's only it's, it's an hour and twelve minutes in, in like a in in we still have an hour and sort of circa thirty eight minutes to go in this <laughs> oh my movie. God. And, and so you feel like sometimes you barely scratch the surface because there's so much more that is to come, but I still thoroughly enjoy talking about it.
1: It is. And as we were saying earlier, uh, before we started, uh, it, when they inevitably uh, do like an HBO-style prestige TV adaptation of Heat, which... There's got to be a conversation happening somewhere, right? Somewhere, like, right? Uh, if you are looking through like lists of properties, you know, rights that you have access to that could be sort of judged for like a, a, a ten-hour one, you know, ten-hour yeah. season, yeah, adult, uh, sophisticated cable show, like Heat's got to be on that list. Has right? to be, has to be. Um, but we've also discussed how easily that could come off the rails. Yeah, <laughs>
0: completely. Um, but you know, one of the things that I said is that. Uh, and and Trav and I were talking about before is I think the only way that you can really do that is to really take some of the smaller stories that are in this film, yeah, yeah. and expand upon them significantly. It's like Wayne Grove, the you know, yeah, what happens, you know, what happened to Wayne Grove that maybe it's you know trickling in with some of the some of the heinous stuff that Wayne Grove gets up to, uh, getting to know you know the young like prostitute and even her family and her mother who we later see in the film getting to see a little bit more about Justine and, and her character, mm. getting maybe a little bit of past of Charlene Chihilis. We talked about Chris in Vegas. Yeah. Maybe there's a side episode of Chris getting up to Mischief in Vegas and and that turning into some gnarly stuff that happens yeah, but, out there. but
1: not messing with the central narrative. But the central narrative, really the central narrative the needs to... Yeah. And, and, and the universe and the Malou and uh, the <laughs> ensemble cast.
0: Yeah, the, the central story, don't touch it. care yeah, no. of it. Don't touch a frame. Do it, do it as close to the letter as you can yeah. and and you know if there's any justice in the world folks if there's any justice in the world just like Michael Mann got the opportunity to remake a property he was so heavily involved with in Miami Vice if anyone's going to take it you know he's in his 70s Yeah. give the guy his 10 hours to do his pièce de résistance if he, if he really wanted to tackle it if he it. wanted to if maybe he he's wanted- happy
1: with this one maybe he's just he's like he no, should
0: good. be <laughs> thrilled with this He's one like, nah,
1: i think i got it guys <laughs> all right and, okay. but 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 Thank you know you the, this
0: is us being greedy and yeah, living in wanting the, more living in 2018 where like i you know i'll sit there and i'll go what does don breeden's partner lillian do for a job yeah <laughs> like what does she do she, you
1: know it's it, important not to fall into that trap which a lot of uh media consumers do is confusing more with better oh okay. absolutely so, you know, the definition of better is not more sometimes you get a really good work and that's it you don't need prequels, sequels, backstories and you just get what you get yeah. you should probably be happy with it yeah I really
0: um, I relish those things that are mm. one and done I don't need the Apocalypse Now prequel Yeah, ever I didn't
1: even need John Wick 2 really <laughs> you're
0: true um, and you know y- there, there are certain and even some things you can uh, blissfully ignore any
1: sequels exist like just watch Jaws yeah and never watch any of the others <laughs> ever again. I, uh, Michael Caine famously said he'd never seen uh, Jaws for Revenge, but he's seen The House at Bored <laughs> and it's very nice. <laughs> he's the best bless him
0: bless him ladies and gentlemen this has been another One Heat Minute Trav thank you so much for thanks coming for back thanks for having me man always a blast always a blast um, you'll be back along this you know I've, I think we can make some time in the next 138 yeah. minutes yeah, to yeah. get
1: you along we can circle back around uh, <laughs> a little more heat dialogue we can do
0: that we can do that um, ladies and gents thank you so much for listening to the show if you want to find um, Trav he's at Celluloid and Whiskey or is no, it just celluloid, celluloid Whiskey Celluloid there's Whiskey not enough, word,
1: not enough letters Not enough letters on the damn Twitter
0: but he is all over filminc.com.au you will find his reviews you'll find that at celluloidandwhiskey.com yep. um, is his personal site so you can check him out there um, his Facebook page is one of the best places on Facebook Facebook generally sucks but if there's a place that you want to find Hearty and hilarious, and sometimes uh, uh, Travis has to step in as a referee to moderate some conversations. (laughs) Jesus, Uh,
1: (laughs) yeah, my my Facebook page is a party. Come on in, come on in, join him, Um, guys. Oneheatminute.com for
0: everything. Um, I'm Blake, Uh, is Batman on Twitter, as you guys would have heard across the series. This is your first episode. Welcome, Um, please go back through our back catalog. Everything's at oneheatminute.com. Um, and our our links to our relative um, uh, apps to download our podcasts are all there as well. Um, Thank you to Garth Franklin for our website design, Mr. Paul Davies for our awesome theme song, and once again, thank you guys for joining us for Heat, and catch us next episode for more Heat around the corner.